Did you watch my recent video on how to multiply your profits with silver investing? Or do you just wanna know how to multiply your profits in silver investing? Well, if you watch that video or you just wanna know how, you know that investing into silver has massive upside potential. Investing into silver resources, silver mines, silver stocks give us even way more explosive upside. Now, it doesn't go without risk. We need to understand that. I broke that down in that video. However, there's some stuff that we can learn by asking other people. And so today I am sitting down with billionaire resource uh, investing legend, Carlo Ciavelli, and I'm going to ask him all the questions that you should if you had a chance to sit down with a billionaire. Now, he's made a fortune investing into silver resources, silver stocks, in uh, other types as well. And I'm going to ask him what it is that we should be looking for, how he evaluates it, what type of strategies he uses. And um, I mentioned one that I thought was undervalued, and we're going to dig into it. And we're going to discuss that. And there's so much information that we can learn from sitting down with a billionaire. I'm asking all the questions that you should if you had the chance to sit down with them. So that's it. Let's jump into the interview. Let me know what you think. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Market Disruptors Show. Today, I am sitting down with billionaire resource legend, Carlo Civelli. He is an advisor to a company, a silver mining company called Kalinex. And I had him on to talk to us about um, silver mining, resource investing, uh, to follow up on the video that I just put out that got massive reviews. And so, uh, Carlo was gr uh, good enough to come on and talk to us. So, uh, Carlo, welcome. Thank you, Mark. All right. Welcome, so, ho uh, welcome also. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, so, thanks so much for coming on. Like I said, uh, I really wanted to follow up on that video. I had a lot of questions. And so, you know, who better to ask the questions than to uh, someone that has such an experience and track record as yourself. Um, of course, I know a little bit about your track record, but why don't you fill, um, fill the listeners in, just kind of give us a little background on uh, what you've been doing in, in silver mining resource investing. Uh, I'll be happy to. Uh, I started out like 40 years ago, basically 1980, in becoming involved in mining companies. Most of them, or practically all of them, listed on the Canadian Stock Exchanges at the time. I was one of the first, if not the first, to bring Canadian mining companies over to Europe to make presentations for them in uh, London, Zurich, where I was living at the time, and sometimes also in Paris or Milano. And we raised a lot of money for uh, mining companies at the time. And most of them were gold companies, of course, uh, later on also silver companies. And after that, I moved into uh, oil and gas. But I can say that uh, of the many, many companies that we financed out of Europe, uh, there's probably at least a dozen companies that made it into billion-dollar companies. Practically all of them, maybe with the exception of one or two, were taken over or sold to bigger companies. And uh, so I became very well known and I'm still very active in the Canadian stock market on uh, exploration stocks. Because that's my know-how and it's also my uh, philosophy to invest in little companies that have good properties, more importantly, good management, because good management can even make a big, a bad property become good, whereas uh, bad management can uh, destroy even a good property. Definitely. So yeah. that's where I come from. Great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I talk, I talk quite a bit about, you know, investing into silver mines or gold mines specifically um, and talk about, uh, yeah, management is one of the key things and, and, and anything in life, right? It has to be managed properly. Um, but going back to uh, your kind of history and, and you kind of have this history of resource investing and you've talked about, you know, precious metals, you talked about energy and gas. Uh, but right now, um, this is following up on the silver mining video that I did. And so you're obviously silver mining right now. So I'm curious, um, 
being that you've invested in different types of resources and right now you're in silver, is there something specifically about silver that you like? Uh, like, you know, maybe the inflation is running away and you think silver is a good store of value and that's why it's, why it's the best asset to be in right now? Or is there something that draws you to silver? Well, you know, I still remember back in the 80s when uh, silver actually ran to $55. Uh, that was on the uh, back of the Hunt brothers having done a, uh, a, sque a squeeze. Yeah. Which then backfired. So I've been following, obviously, the, the precious metals and in particular silver over all these years. And if you look at the ratio between silver and gold today, silver is definitely left behind on the value. So it should have the best run once everything comes back into the medium. And uh, so silver uh, right now uh, is also not on many people's radar screen. Everybody's concentrating on gold. And I think uh, rightfully so. I mean, gold and silver will be the store of wealth. Uh, both of them are real hard, <clears throat> hard assets that are not owned by anybody else or are not owed to anybody else. Yep. If you own yep. bonds or stocks, it's somebody else's money. And here we have a store of wealth, which I believe, particularly today, under today's circumstances and what's going to happen in the next couple of years, everybody should store a piece of their wealth in precious metals, yep. particularly silver and gold. Yeah. And, and listeners to this show uh, know all too well those topics you talk about because that's, that's what I typically talk about. So we know the reasons why we should be owning gold and hard assets and silver. Um, but the one thing that silver um, people really like, and, I, and I've talked about before, is back to what you mentioned, that silver to gold ratio. Um, I think uh, historically it's been about 15. Uh, right now it got as high as I think 117 and right now it's about 98 or something like that. Um, you you see that silver to gold ratio closing back down close to like historical levels? Yes, that's what it should do. <clears throat> As I said, over time, they always move back to the median line. And so I believe silver should have another 30, 40% actually run, could have it. Yeah. And as we all know, uh, at that point, the, the silver stocks, just like the gold stocks on their side, the silver stocks will obviously move much, much faster and much higher. Yeah. And if you find the right ones that have also a, let's call it a resource already identified, which we have, and at the same time, explorations going on. So you have the excitement of the speculators also. Uh, that's the best uh, stock to be in. Yeah, definitely. Now, for everyone listening, um, we're going to kind of walk through this. I want to hit a couple points. Uh, we're going to talk about why... Um, <clears throat> why investing into mines might be the best opportunity. And then we're going to break it down and teach you exactly what you should be looking for and then even make some recommendations at the end. So make sure you stick around. Um, but back to, back to what you're saying. Yes. Right. So, uh, this, the, the gold to silver ratio, it's way out of whack and, and things do tend to uh, go back to their median or their mean. Um, I, I have talked about where I don't really think that, um, the historical 15 to one probably makes sense anymore. Um, I think we might have a higher um, ratio and I think it might snap back and things tend to overcorrect. Maybe we'll get to like 30 and then end up maybe back around 50, kind of what we saw like in 2011, which was the other peak. But even at that, I mean, that that's a 300% move, uh, even at that conservative level. So some people think it's going to overcorrect past 15, uh, which is obviously more. 
either way, I mean, that's a 300% move, a 500% move. So it's, it's big either way. But in the video that I just did, I talked about how, you know, buying the physical, whether that's physical gold or physical silver is good because as you said, it's hard sound money and, and we need hard sound money more than anything today because the way that the central banks are just printing money into Bolivian. But I talked about how, um, you know, holding the physical is good and, and if it snaps back to that ratio, we could make a three time, three X return. But really when you get into um, the mines, the silver mines, the silver stocks, you can have way more what I call asymmetric, way more upside than downside. Um, there's more risk, but there's a lot more um, upside potential. Um, talk to me, since you're a resource investing legend, 40 years you've been doing this, uh, talk to me kind of about the silver mines and, and why that can give us a way bigger return than just holding physical itself. <clears throat> it's obviously true for all the precious metals, uh, gold in particular also, but uh, the same applies to silver. Once you have a resource in the ground, the market values that, of course, at the going silver price and your cash flow. So if the silver price goes up, the resource in the ground becomes more valuable. But more importantly, your cash flow goes up and allows you then to also drill more and hopefully find more silver or gold. It's, it applies to both, of course. And at that point, 30, 40, 50% move in the underlying base metal will obviously translate, as you said, into a three or four or five times X on uh, the stock price. As we have seen also this year, you know, all the exploration stocks got hammered uh, in the first couple of months, rightfully so, because nobody is able to put a value on a resource stock if it hasn't really found a uh, reserve, if it's still a resource. But once the resource turns into a reserve, and analysts are able to figure out exactly what that reserve is worth. And then you start to put it into production and the cash flow accelerates as the price of the underlying metal rises. It translates, of course, into a much higher uh, stock price. We've all seen that. And this has happened in the last three months now where I'm involved in a couple of, well, I put money into a couple of uh, exploration stocks that thankfully found resources that are turning into reserves. And uh, I must say, on average, these stocks are up three to four times now already, just in two to three months. And I believe that uh, this is going to continue because as, as they expand the resources, which, as I said, will, return, will turn into reserves, the, the underlying value of the stocks are going to attract more and more investors right. and more and more mutual funds family offices, eventually even the ETFs. Now, uh, what I want to I want to ask you about something you just said. Um, I'll comment real quickly, though. So you said that, uh, so we've seen silver just in the last couple of months, it's gone up by a couple bucks. It's, uh, you know, a couple dollars, it's gone up uh, 30, 40%. Uh, but some of these silver stocks have gone three or four X. So you can see yep. the explosiveness. But you said something, um, you, you, you made a differentiate, uh, dif you differentiated between a resource and a reserve. So is a resource stock is one that's like an explorer, they're out looking, and then a reserve is one that actually found uh, deposits and actually has a recorded amount of deposits? Uh, that's correct. I mean, they, they all start out, out as, I mean, they're all resource stocks because they own resources, metals. But even, initially, of course, they drill a couple of holes, they find some resource, and they can start extrapolating, and that's basically pure speculation. But then once you drill enough holes and in, in enough uh, 
holes with at, at a certain distance one from each other which is prescribed by the laws also by the 43 101s and so on then you can actually say that now you have a reserve that's something that uh, the analyst can then value because a resource you can say okay you know we, we started finding something but we don't know how big it is so you have to keep on drilling so the best stocks are of course those that have already an established reserve but keep on finding more so the resource grows and the reserve can then be put into a bankable feasibility study you start getting money to actually build the mine and out of that reserve then it becomes a mine while still continuing to grow the resource by drilling out and finding more but uh, the in order to, for it to become a reserve, you have to do infill drilling. And actually then you can say, okay, now we, we know how much we have roughly. Right. But the resource is speculation, but that's what you want. You want to have stocks that, uh, that can tell you that, you know, 10 kilometers down, the, down uh, the line, we found more. So therefore, maybe in between the whole 10 kilometers is full of this metal. And that's what we all want to hear. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let everybody in on a little bit of a secret here. Uh, part of the reason why I have this show where I invite people like, uh, this, uh, resource legend Carlo on is so I can ask him the questions I want to know because I'm trying to do my due diligence as well. And so I'm trying to ask the questions that I want to know and hopefully it's the questions you would ask if you could. And so if I have the chance to learn from someone like you, I certainly want to. So I want to I want to ask you now. Okay, great. So you've kind of explained that to us, and now I want to talk about how, us if we want to make money investing into the resource uh, stocks uh, like you have. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping you'll give us a little bit of your 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 wealth of knowledge here. But um, I, I in the video I talked about as investors we're looking for undervalued assets, right? We're looking for something that gives us a little bit of an edge. We can get in here, but we think it could be worth uh, a lot more. And obviously, I, it, well, in that video, I gave two different examples. One of a company that we invested in before and it's ran up and we've made good money there. And then I gave an example of, of a Kalinex, um, how I thought maybe it's undervalued right now. Uh, and I gave a couple reasons. One, um, because maybe the, the, the trade wars, the tariff wars have caused it to come down, COVID as well. Um, the exchange rate now, what we're seeing, the dollar getting strong. And I, and I kind of gave a couple reasons that I was thinking maybe Kalinex is undervalued right now. Uh, Tell me, and you're, am I looking at the right things? Is it undervalued? Am I off base? I mean, what am I looking at here? How, how should we look at this as an investor? Well, I definitely think it's an undervalued exploration play. And let me go back to the beginnings. You know, this was spun out. We were big investors in a company called Kalinan Mines, where we did exactly what we're doing now with Kalinex. We had a couple of exploration plays. We invested, we drilled more, we found a mine, and we sold Kalinan at the time at a very good profit. And we took out all the exploration properties and put them into Kalinex. And uh, we found a very good uh, CEO, Max Porterfield, who is very, very dedicated, I must say. I like very much what he does. And he uh, has found a couple of properties where on each one, in order to find what which one really deserves to be fully explored, we have at least three properties that uh, we drilled a couple of holes and found initially more zinc. And the company was actually uh, uh, concentrating on zinc and also copper. And meanwhile, in the last couple of months or in the last 12 months, let's say, the company concentrated more on, or maybe by 
by chance also stumbled upon some silver and some gold properties. And for example, you can read it in uh, the news releases. There's a Nash Creek property where we drilled two holes and uh, one was in the south, the southern part, and one in the northern part. And they're like 18 kilometers apart on a trend, on a fault, which funny enough had never been explored before. And we found very good uh, silver uh, grades not far from uh, the surface. So it's actually, it could be open pitable, which means we can just take it uh, and, and basically scrape it from uh, the top. We don't have to go down and uh, build big um, tunnels. So it makes it very cheap to mine. And it was quite an experience to find those two holes. And we would probably need to drill another 10 holes. We have the money to do it, but then we would actually come across with a nice resource. And then uh, just looking at my notes here, it's a geochemically very altered, very old rock, which is exactly what you're looking for when you're looking for metals. Uh, we are going to do another sampling program now over the whole fault, which will show us and tell us where to drill the next holes. And uh, that's going to be done in 100 meter spacing. So we will have a very, very good picture of the whole fault. And then we have, sorry, go ahead. So if I'm getting this right then, right, I'm trying to learn from you and try to understand how you look at this. You're looking for, obviously being a resource investor, you're looking for something that um, has a very good chance of hitting something big. They haven't yet because by the time they do hit something big, then they're, they're, they're too expensive. So, you, so you're trying to get in a little bit early, but they have a really good chance. And I, I, the, the, some of the properties um, that we would be looking for to find that undervalued property, to find if they have a good chance would be um, some of the properties you've just given me with Kalinex, right? Like uh, they're like an old existing mine. Um, they're in a really good area on old rock, as you call it. They've drilled a couple holes and have found some really good uh, results from those couple holes. And so all of that, and, and they have the money to even continue to drill. Um, so all of those things make you think that um, there's a really good chance they're going to be able to succeed drilling more holes, find more resources, which is going to give you that growth that you want. Am I right summing that up? Correct. And, you know, let's go back a step. I mean, initially, uh, Kalinex was concentrating on zinc and was concentrating on the Flinflon area, which is where Hudson Bay has their mill. And we did find some very good results there too on the zinc. And the idea was, of course, and still is, that we're going to continue drilling there too. And the latest holes were which were drilled in, uh, in in January, actually, returned some very good results. Uh, we know there is a very high, like 17% zinc. There's some gold. There's some uh, spellerite, which means there is zinc. And we also found some traces of copper. So it's uh, actually becoming more and more exciting. And it's, it's, knowing it's that Hot Bay, sorry, Hot Bay is, has to shut down their mill in 2022. They've run out of ore. Well, you know, if we find enough ore to keep that mill going, and by the way, Hot Bay is facing a huge amount of uh, reclamation charges from uh, environmental damages. So what would be best would be if we find enough ore, uh, Hot Bay can actually either become a joint venture partner or maybe they will even take over the company. But that was the old Kalinex. Now, meanwhile, having drilled, as I said, on the Nash Creek, we all of a sudden find silver. And in one of the other properties, we found actually 50% gold, some copper, some zinc. So all of a sudden, we're moving now to become a precious metal company. 
which of course under today's circumstances is much more exciting than being a zinc and copper company, which is exactly why the stock price was depressed uh, or is depressed. And that's why I believe in a re-rating of the company, because as we continue to drill and as we continue to find silver now and gold, uh, people are going to look at, at Kalinex as being a totally different company. So that's a good point. Um, Exciting thing. I, I, that's a good point. I think typically with silver specifically, um, silver comes out as a byproduct, right? Typically you're trying to get copper or zinc, but then you're getting Correct. silver as well. But then some mines can then actually switch over where silver becomes the primary. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, uh, if I'm right. And and given the fact that precious metals is hot right now, zinc and copper, because the economy is going down, zinc and copper won't be in as big demand potentially. Um, but with the economy going down, silver will go up in demand. Um, so it's a perfect switch, I, I guess. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. <clears throat> you know, I still believe, I do believe that the economy is not going to do too well here for the next months, maybe until next year. But uh, interestingly enough, copper is actually showing a good resilience. And the copper stocks that we own, that are pure copper stocks, have actually, for example, if I mention First Quantum, you know, it was trading at first $14 in December, went down to six, is back now above 13. So obviously people are looking across the valley into 2021. So I'm still quite positive on the zinc and copper, and particularly on our Flinflon property, but that's the old Kalinex, as I said. We will pursue that, of course, because it, uh, with Hot Bay being close by, that's exciting. Yeah. But uh, the, the excitement now is really to find these precious metals because that's what the future will be bringing to us. People will need to have some of their assets stored in precious metals. Yeah. And not but just precious that's metals. For the storage. Sorry, that's for the storage of your wealth. Right. But meanwhile, right. in order to accumulate wealth, you need to be in the stocks, right. which are going to give you much more leverage than only the pure metal. I mean, that's such a great Sorry. point. That's such a great point that you just made right there. I want to just kind of go back on that because uh, on my channel, when I talk about gold or I talk about silver, I get all the people that come out and say, no, you have to have physical. If you don't, if you don't have it in your safe, then it's not yours. And I do agree on that. And in that end of world scenario, yes, you want to have physical, as you said, but we invest into gold and silver stocks for the growth. So you get growth right. and then you can take some of those profits and then get the physical and stick it in your safe. Um, so you buy them for different reasons. One is, yeah, for end of world scenario, I have the physical and one is for growing, growing what I have. So that's a great point. One, one other point I want to add kind of to what you're saying. Um, and so, you know, obviously with the central banks inflating the currencies to no end, um, and, and they're losing value. Um, yes, it, it is going to drive precious metals, gold and silver. But I believe that it's also going to drive all commodities, uh, which is the copper and the zinc as well, because people are going, when, when money is worth nothing, the only thing that's going to be worth something is real hard things, like real things, like commodities, right? So, um, even if the economy goes down, I think copper and zinc could still do good just because they're they're real assets as opposed to fake money, right? All right? So one other point that I would like to ask you because um, in the video I had talked about why I thought it was undervalued and I'm not, I'm not near as good at uh, that looking at these things as I thought I was maybe. Uh, I just, I don't know all the different areas and like, okay, this area should do better than that area. And so maybe I need to learn my uh, mining areas a little bit better. But um, what I was looking at was uh, this, this, uh, the PEA, which is basically your preliminary report, which shows, you know, how much silver could be in the ground. And 
um, it gave like a value of like $128 million or whatever. And I understand that that is a very preliminary as, as the name is. And so it's not like the official report. Um, but I mean, it's way bigger than the market cap of the company. And so for me, I thought, well, shoot, you know, if you have the, if the PEA shows 128 million, but the market cap's only 10, that's a pretty good opportunity. Um, what is the PEA? Am I looking at that right? Or should we be looking for different metrics? No, I think you're looking at the right metrics. But I do also believe, you know, this is very preliminary. I mean, it's based on just a couple of holes. And I think I said that we are going to need to drill at least 10 holes here over the next couple of months. Uh, and again, this is a totally new area, totally new fault that has never been explored before. And uh, we, we just happened to sink two holes into it and they came up with a lot of silver. So nobody knows how much there's going to be there. I mean, this is really, as you said, very preliminary. I think it's going to be much more. That's the way uh, these these uh, resource resources come up. You know, I, I believe uh, back in the Kalinan days, sorry, back in the Kalinan days, we were, and uh, we still are with Mike Muzilowski, who is a legend of his own as a geologist. And he found and in the same area, in the Flint Flan area, Many, many years ago, back in 1980s, he found a couple of mines. And he would always tell us that when you find one of these mines, uh, there's usually around four or five other ore bodies lying around there. So I would hope that maybe here also we can look at uh, finding one big resource on this fault and then go further down. Because as I said, this is quite close to the surface, which will make mining very easy and very cheap, but there should be other ore bodies around there. And so that's one, but you know, as you probably know, we have another property, uh, the Point Leavington, which where, where we found a lot of gold at the same time and zinc and copper. And that seems to be, and this is highly speculative, of course, at this point, but uh, it could be a $1 billion value in the ground. Now, again, this is just, would be a resource. We will need a lot more drilling. We will need to go to the banking and bankable feasibility and all that. So in the end, the net, net result will be maybe a couple hundred million dollars of net profits. But again, if you add all of that together, this is a very, very undervalued company. It basically has not recovered because everybody thought it was a zinc company. Whereas now, as I said before, you have to re-rate it and look upon it as a precious metal company. Yeah. And so the, this is one stock that could actually really give multiple X returns. Yeah. Now, um, that's a, that's a great point that I wanted to transition into because in the video, again, I keep referencing, if you haven't, if you haven't watched the video, you should go back and watch it because I really kind of give the big picture here on, on what, how you should be looking at this. But I, I talked about Paul Tudor Jones, one of the best, you know, big, best investors in the world, billionaire. And he kind of has a strategy of five to one. He won't invest a dollar unless he thinks he can get $5 back. And these are asymmetric returns. And the reason why is because if he loses, you know, on two, $2, I mean, he, on the next deal, he can still make three or he could potentially lose four deals and still be profitable Four out. He could lose four out of five. So that's kind of what we're looking at. And that's why I like silver. That's why I like silver mines or gold mines as well. So obviously this is, you know, going into resource investing is risky, um, but you have this big upside. And so you could be wrong on four and, and still make money on the fifth. Do you, 
Do you follow a similar philosophy? I mean, being a resource investor, do you think this has a 5X, you know, 5X upside or, or even more? Uh, actually, I do. I, my philosophy has always been, and uh, when I, in the beginning, when I used to be still a money manager for third parties, uh, and we were concentrating exclusively on resource stocks, I would always tell my clients that you have to invest in 10 different stocks. 10, yeah. Because three are going to go down, three are going to do okay, and four are going to go through the roof. Unfortunately, I don't know which ones are which. So we have to buy them all. And as they continue to drill or they continue to grow, you can actually then make your own decision on which ones you have to sell. And normally, uh, resource companies of this at this stage don't go bankrupt. I mean, they become maybe another shell. You will still have some value left. But then the four that goes through the roof will make up much more than for all the losses. And so this is exactly why we're in Calinex. This has the potential uh, to become at least a 5X, even from this level now. And I think uh, we have done this very successfully over 40 years. Obviously, as you just said, you you always find uh, also one that uh, doesn't make it and doesn't find the final resource or which can turn into reserve. But uh, here, I am very confident that we're on the right track. And again, we, you know, really, you have to believe also in management and uh, we do have the right management. Yeah. Wow. I love what you just said right there. And I think that's a, a great transition for us. Um, and, you know, I, 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 warn, uh, I warn my viewers all the time uh, to watch out for what we know as confirmation bias, which is always looking for information that backs up what we think our bias, right? And um, what you said kind of backs up my bias, but it also confirms what I say all the time, which is um, having that strategy. And, and it's really about, you know, diversifying a little bit and, um, you know, having that asymmetric return. So you back that up. And I just want to kind of reinforce that to everybody. When you are going into riskier assets, whether, whether that be a cryptocurrency or a silver mine or whatever it is, it's okay to swing for the fences, but you need to have a strategy around it. So as Carlo, as you just said, right, you would advise your clients to go into 10 because a couple will do bad and a couple will do good. And so um, just understand that there's risk involved. Um, understand that you should go into it with a little bit of a strategy. So you might want to play a couple positions and not just try to pick one because, you know, the chance of getting that one right may, may not work out. But um, anyway, great advice, Carlo. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, is there anything left that you want to mention? No, I think uh, you mentioned it, I think in the beginning, you know, we are certainly in very strange times. Yeah. Uh, the, the national banks are reflating, they're printing and pushing billions or actually trillions of dollars or euros or whatever yeah. into the market. Most of it has found its way into the stock market right now, which is incredible or at incredible heights. And I think we're in a bubble. But at the same time, it also means that uh, the countries have put on so much debt that in my opinion, none of the countries, basically none uh, around the world, maybe with the exception of Switzerland, which I hope being Swiss, that uh, none, none, no countries will be able to repay these debts. Right. Not even our children, not even our grandchildren or my grandchildren will be able to repay these debts. So eventually something has to give. And I think at that point, you want to hang on to hard assets, as you mentioned before. But in the meantime, there's still time to make money on the bubble and buying all these resource stocks. And right now we're in a funny uh, market where uh, strangely enough, in the just in the last couple of months, a lot of Canadian companies that I follow have actually found or made very good drill results and have uh, tripled, quadrupled. And I think that's 
uh, what's going to happen to Kalinex too. And I certainly put my money where my mouth is. And I, I had a couple other questions I wanted to get to, but I know we're running out of time and I'm going to respect your time. I really appreciate you giving us the amount of time that you already have. Uh, anytime I can sit down with someone with your track record, I just, uh, I'm just so grateful and I, and I, and I really appreciate that. Um, so I, I'll table, I'll table the rest of my questions uh, for another time, but um, I'm going to put some links in the show notes down below um, in the description. So you can find out more about Kalinex. Um, Carlo, is there anywhere that you want people to go uh, to follow you or to find out more about the company? Uh, no, I mean, Kalinex trades on the Canadian stock exchange, symbol mm -hmm. CNX and uh, Max Porterfield. The CEO will be more than happy to field questions, answer emails, and I actually urge you to do it because you should always do your own research as well. That's a great point, and I, I always encourage everyone to do their own due diligence, and And uh, I have the ability to get someone like Carlo on to talk, talk, but everybody can reach out to the company directly and ask questions as well, and so you should always do that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if you have more questions, reach out to them directly. I always encourage people to do that. Um, and I guess we'll sign off with that. Again, Carlo, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And uh, Been a pleasure. We'll talk later. Thank you. Okay.